Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. <laughs> Whoa, you're very enthusiastic. <laughs> wow. Steven's here. Hey, Steven. Yeah, I'm so excited. After that wonderful intro, I'm so psyched. <laughs> Everyone, quick, quick, drink your coffee, Jonah. Sorry, I, w- I don't know. I was trying to put a different vibe out there. Can we call you Electro Steven? Yeah, man. Because yeah, when I take see- down the notes, when you do the podcast remotely like this, I call you Steven Skype, and I realized that's kind of lame. So, yeah, I, they could, we'll come up with something. <clears throat> Electro Steven. Captain Electron, that comes to mind. That's pretty good. And Steven then, Skype kind of sounds like a superhero. I know it does. It sounds cool, but then it's giving too much props to Skype. Yeah, that's Skype, true. which isn't that good of a service, <laughs> to be honest. You're okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, live via remote. Yeah. I'm, I'm like so unappreciative. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks for creating this thing that lets us that, virtually talk to our that's, friends. That's free. That's free. That's free. I don't know. I just don't think it's that great. I think it should be better. It's 2016. There should be a better free streaming service. Yeah, there is. Google Hangouts. Hangouts. So yeah. Try that. Why don't we try that? Right now, switch over? Well, no. Here we go. I set up with dumb Skype. <laughs> I mean, if Google's so good, how come they couldn't get their their glasses to work? I mean, seriously. That's true. Although I think like those big tech companies, like they always have ideas. Even Apple and stuff have ideas that just don't work. My favorite Google idea was, uh, is, is still, we're going to scan every book. Yeah. Yeah. What happened with that? They're still doing and it. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> they're doing it. They've got legal issues, but they're, they, they're trying to get through the legal issues and they're just, they're continuing to scan as... I think it's great. I mean, I wonder how that show works. I was talking to um, our our podcast buddy and friend uh, Justin Pierre from from uh, the the now late Motion City soundtrack, um, and I was telling him how like I got I got your last record at the library, and he had that <laughs> he had that awesome reaction of cool. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so much because, for you know, that you're, royalty. You're, you're an artist. You record a record. <laughs> the library gets it. <laughs> I had it for you know a good month, and then I, I returned it. Did you rip it? Someone else can have it. <laughs> and it's just like it's. He was like, I wonder how, who, what, how did who gets that? And then 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 my brain starts going with the legal ramifications of what label has like the library license guy? Like who gets that dumped on their desk? <laughs> I think that you should be able to like take music out from the library, but only in vinyl form. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like when I was in college, I was dealing with the library and they, I was like up, I was trying to get this job where you picked out what music they stocked. Like really? I think, yeah. I'm having the a school weird, library or the my real college library? library. Oh, okay. I think they were like, we don't know what kind of music to order. And I was basically like, <laughs> I do. just order all these <laughs> records I want and then I can just add, like rip them All or hardcore. <laughs> yeah. I think I really had this guy. I think this may have almost happened. <laughs> It would have been a very niche selection at like the, the Ithaca College Library. Jonah's college fantasy. Yeah, mine involved. Why are there all my these college Gigi fantasy Allen imports? My college fantasy involved a whole different uh, thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but but was it something you could get in the library? Mm. No, I tried, but <laughs> <laughs> oh. it was a small library at RISD. <laughs> <Ba-doom>. <laughs> Well, Do you think that we'd be able to find Kevin Devine records in the library? Maybe. Well, good segue. I wonder Thank if you. we'd be able to find his new album, Instigator, which just came out. Just came out. Uh, yeah, Kevin Devine returned to the podcast um, with me and Benny this week, and we talked about his new album, Instigator. And we talked a about lot, it. right? Like the whole podcast is. His so, so he basically didn't mention his new record at all. That's why I'm <laughs> mentioning it now. And uh, we talked about. We mostly talked about police, and he's a lot of. 
of cops and his family, and he there's a song about it on the record. So we, yeah, we talked about Staten Island, cops, Kevin's life. I probably said some stuff about, like, the world ending. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, we didn't talk that much about his record, but I want to say that I've been listening to it, and it's it's really good. He, I mean, I feel like Kevin's put us out, like, so many. He's, like, such a prolific dude. It's, it's hard he's to know. Just, he's just such a solid songwriter. You yeah. Know what I mean? And uh, but yeah, this record is great. It's like a good mix of like heavier stuff and more mellow stuff. So the record's great. I wanted to make sure that came across since like we got kind of wrapped up in this convo and <laughs> didn't talk about that much, which you're probably used to if you listen to this podcast. The record is great. Instigator, buy it now. Yes. Cops are okay sometimes. Yes, cops are okay sometimes, especially if you're getting robbed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start this podcast before we say something we have to roll regret someday. Uh, here is Kevin Devine on Going Off Track. It's going off track! But yeah, I, anyway, it doesn't matter. I was just, he's, he's, he was a Brooklyn guy. He's an LA guy now, as is what happens to half yeah. the Brooklyn people. Normal migrate. They want, the older you get, I feel like your ability to withstand the oh. colds of winter uh, yeah, get maybe a little tougher. I think so. And everyone I go out there and visit, they have that like. If they don't run fleeing, they have that like that glow. That like they're kind of like, and they're just a little slower, and everything's yeah. a little like, yeah, you should really come out here. But I feel like I, I don't think I would agree with it. Like in in, in a law, I like visiting there. I don't think I could really be there. Yeah, I feel the same way. I. It's funny we led on pizza. Because dude, I'll, we, we can well, land on pizza well, all day. Interesting, because like I knew you were like you're like a lifelong New Yorker, and you never left. outer borough New Yorker. Yes, that's yeah. right. No, we don't make that distinction around here. <laughs> New York is New York. I'm not one of these bougie. Good. Manhattan I mean, I know people, that about you. Know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm from New Jersey, which means all of your boroughs hate me. <laughs> so, like, I understand that concept. But I did even write down on my notes my curiosity. <laughs> Talk as about to pizza. your favorite, like, like pizza, bagel, mm. and cold and hot sandwich, like all. Now, are you talking location or food stuff itself? It's got to be, I'd say, New York City proper. Within oh, so the it's five... like you want to know, like a place. Yeah, that an I actual. Go to. Wants to know place. your actual. You want your his actual order. No, well, yeah, That's, I want I want to know spot. I feel like this is going to be really disappointing. Not want, for them, for you. I want to know spot <laughs> and order. Okay, well. Start with slice. Slice. Currently, uh, Pizza Wagon in Bay Ridge, okay. 86th and 5th. And you're living in Bay Ridge. I'm living in Bay Old Ridge. Old school Italian, so it's probably... Yeah, that place is good. That place is legit. Good. I mean, it's like a little greasy. It's a little... But I, I don't know. It's what it's supposed to be. It's a okay. slice place. Um, and they execute it well. I used to like this place, Vesuvio, and I went there recently, and it's like... Quality went down. I thought so. I mean, I don't want to blast them on, in, you know, very visible podcasts, but it is, <laughs> it's true. It was like all oil, not enough sauce. Mm. And I used to go there since I was... I mean, I've been going there for 30 years okay, on so and this off. Okay, in Staten Island. It's in Bay Ridge. Oh, I was okay. born in Bay Ridge. I lived there till I was 12, 11 or 12. And then uh, moved to Staten Island in 1990. Okay. Um, on Staten Island, it's literally called Goodfellas, but that's a good spot. <laughs> that's the good spot. I mean, there. that's insane, but that's true. 
Uh, and then, but there's a place called Pete's Pizzeria in Bay Ridge, and that's a place where I will go and get a potato and egg hero with marinara sauce mm. occasionally. And they make it really well. Their oh, well. pizza's meh, but that Just is right. really, really good. Yeah. People, I, th- I feel like people discredit like a pizza place for their sandwich quality. Depends. When more often than not, your local pizza place is going to make a far better sandwich than the sandwich place. I think that that, in my experience, when it's right, it's right. It's I mean, true. better bread. Yeah, I guess I never think about that. But I feel like I always go get Chinese food and everyone's ordering like fried chicken. Right. And totally. I'm like, this is weird. I would never think of getting this here. But there it are, seems to be like, the only thing they sell. <laughs> there are numerous places where you could go get that tailored just to that. Yeah. But no, that in Bay Ridge, that's definitely true. Yeah. I feel like the most, and I don't, I was just going to enter into something that I actually don't, it would be bullshit because I don't know if I'm right. But there are a lot of Chinese food places in Bay Ridge as there's been a rising Middle Eastern contingency in Bay Ridge population wise, you know, um, larger slice of the pie. And a lot of the Chinese places now also offer like halal friendly menu. Okay. And I noticed that they sell a lot of chicken through that. These are just observations. I have no idea about the cultural <laughs> See, that, basis that of any of this. That culturally makes a little sense to me because there would be... I'm glad because I was worried. Parts I was... <laughs> of China that would be like mm-hmm. potentially followers of Islam mm-hmm. or at well, least... China's a big place. Or at a least lot of people. bordering. You know, the southern yeah. parts, the Mongolians... I, I'd assume there's a level of that population. This just that got runs. elevated. This whole yeah, this is really this is well, I mean, intelligent there, conversation about fried ties chicken. To that, like, like no, I think that's probably food true. Food is like such a such a, an important thing, and like Central it's thing. actually come to the forefront a lot for me recently because of like being caught up in immigration debates mm-hmm. and maybe you can even mention it being like an old irish new yorker right <laughs> yes like, well, increasingly old yeah. still irish kevin came over to, to ellis yeah. island <laughs> Crossed over. a lot of people don't know that about you yeah. the yankees put a gun in his hand <laughs> i was kevin o'devon and they, they cut the o off and said it's divine here um but i but I, I find that interesting like the the ties with like because what is like American food? Right. Like truly American food. Just barbecue is the only thing I can mm-hmm. think of that's like ours. Like we invented the style. We definitely and we perpetuated it and it's moved throughout the world. Yes. And we definitely also have refiltered a lot of other foods through our thing. Right. And it's like, you know, obviously. The Chinese food we're talking about isn't isn't what sure. people eat in China, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, touching on your immigration thing, this and this loosely connects to food. I can say Bay Ridge is a really interesting and a bad way place right now, specifically in this moment right now, culturally around all of that. Because as this, well, it's just growing pains. I hope it's growing pains and not just pains, but it's as that community has grown in Bay Ridge. A lot of the Irish Italian people that have been there forever are aging out. And the there's like a lot of cultural insensitivities clashing in ways that are very I was in a diner, I was ordering sandwiches. It was like a week after my daughter was born. And it was apparently like the day that they had done the graduation or whatever it is for the police academy at Madison Square Garden. Okay. So this guy was getting food. He was telling, he knew the woman working at the counter and he was telling her, she was like, how's today? Oh, it's great. My kid was graduating from the academy. 
oh great did you go to the thing i did and in like it was like chess masters and in four moves in public got to but you know when de blasio started talking they all stood up and turned their backs and i was turning my back with them and i'm uh-huh. kind of like i just want to get the fuck out of uh, here with my here sandwiches you know my kid is nine days old yeah. i'm trying to and then uh the lady at the counter said oh i'm you know i would be right there with you and I, within seconds the guy went to all I know is they keep saying the crime statistics are down, but a bunch of them are living in my building and the cops had to come break them apart because they thought it was a sleeper cell. And I'm like, first of all, I'm, I, I know you, he thinks he's in like, is it Tom Clancy, Jack Clancy? I don't know. who. Tom. Who, yeah. This yeah. dude thinks he's in that that world and right. that story i'm like and, and these kids are not, i mean they're just kids they're doing the same dumb shit that the irish and italian kids were doing there right. 30 40 years ago sure but um and then it became this very and then that's the same diner that has like a trump thing in the window and um which is a lot out in bay ridge more than you would like to think in a place no, in new I, york i can um, i can imagine it i mean like that population i thought of fear you say that just a couple weeks ago I had a very similar situation with a guy from South Brooklyn. I yeah. saw him at the Jersey Shore. We're having very pretty, you know, how's the weather kind of conversation. Which like, is all I really want to like, have at yeah, that All that good, level. you know, yeah. cool with me. And something came up. And before I know it, he's doing the same thing. He's going, oh, you know, but the difference is with the Italians, like we came here, we assimilated, we did this, we did that. And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm the same as you. I I had a kid this year too, which has I led know me that. That's down awesome. the wormhole often of like, I don't give a shit. Like I have way more important things Pressing to do immediate. than fucking like get into it with you and not even begin to change your mind. Right, like, so right, right. You know, so if it's a Sisyphean task and it's not going to happen anyway, have a good day. Yeah, right, I'm going right, to go right, have right. my good day, you right. know, usually. And I couldn't think of it at the time. And I'm like walking away from the conversation going like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've seen a little Italy. <laughs> yeah, of course, everywhere. In, like, in, in every major city in America, little Italy. This is our part of town. Like literally I can't, I grew up with tons of Italian Americans down where I lived in central Jersey. Grew up with fucking Italian flag decals, still Italian parades, the Zeppeli Day parade, which yeah. I always went to. Of course, because sausage, sausage and pepper <laughs> yeah. sandwiches, that's right. And Zeppeli, I'm no hater on this, but that's because I love immigrants and their food. Like I want Italian food, I want Mexican food, right. I want Middle Eastern food, I want all of it. I also and think, I guess this is all tying around to how like food. Well, thank you for tying back to the food thing. I think my thing only to connect to food because I was in a diner. Well, maybe <laughs> I mean, said, Kevin, maybe counts. stay the fuck yeah. out of the Trump that's, diner. That, 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 yeah. He owns well, that diner actually. <laughs> yeah, this is diner. why I just don't leave my apartment. Ever. Yeah, it's fair enough too. <laughs> Seamless works home. great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You never have to talk to anyone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how do you think like you? Because sort of on the new record, you talk about having a lot of cops in your family, which yes. is something I didn't know. I mean, how do you think that sort of figures into maybe your reaction to this kind of stuff or sort of the way you're kind of formed your opinion on it? About these conversations. About, about these conversations. About, <laughs> yeah, about, about how, what kind of pizza you like. No, about like, about like the de Blasio no. stuff yeah. or about, I guess, just like all the tension right now. Yeah. I, I mean, my, yeah, I do come from like... That the song you're talking about is very literally written. So even just saying this out loud, it's like saying the same exact words that are in the song. <laughs> it's not very poetic in that way. That song, but my father was a cop. His dad was a cop. 
two of my uncles were cops. My two cousins are currently cops. My brother's ex-wife was a cop. You know, like it, I mean, without thinking very hard, nine or 10, very, and very immediate. Your father's about as immediate, yeah, you know. Sure. Um, and then you get into punk music. You're like 12. I mean, I, and not even punk music. I, I was 12 and I got into Nirvana, which was getting into like NSYNC or the Beatles. They were a punk band, but they were the, totally independently of your family. Uh, my older brother gave me, I think my older brother played me Nevermind, but I saw the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit on MTV like every other 12 year old kid and was like, holy shit. Um, but but those gothy cheerleaders are hot or just like oh, these yeah. dudes look weird yeah totally and then you look back now you're like those were like kind of like model <laughs> yeah. level but anyway and and also well whatever i was just thinking the weird out one where they have like all armpit hair I would, dude in fact in my mind just now that's what i saw I and like, then were I, they hot? and i was like oh no they were and then i wondered if that was from that video yeah. but but anyway he had a sticker on one of his guitars and it said vandalism as beautiful as a rock in a cop's face wow. and i remember being like why would someone want to throw a rock in my dad's face like right. what what's wrong with cops and that was the first little inquiry of mm -hmm. like into i don't these words weren't being used and this level of thought wasn't being applied but like abuse of power and first and chip in the armor as yeah words, yeah exactly yeah. and um, <laughs> so I was just thinking about something about this weird out. I had uh, yeah, tell us, I, tell us. I, my cousin had a bumper sticker that said "Bad Cop No Donut," <laughs> and I remember being like being a kid and seeing it and being like, "You should put this on your car," <laughs> and then being like, "Dude, I can't put this on my car." Like, no, it's funny, you totally, <laughs> dude. And looking back and being, he's probably like, "Why would I put this on my car?" <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Well, anyway, yeah, so he, I don't know. I mean, that was the first, I guess, asking questions about that. And and did you start, like, inquiring to, like, your own father? Like, I mean, my dad was in internal affairs. Okay. Uh, I think he had some. I also am sure if I, this is where it gets into, I was more concerned with that song about, this is how inverted my uh, view of the world is. It should probably be the other way. But I was more worried about like what the six people in my family that were going to listen to the record were sure. going to think about it than the like potentially however many people will hear the record in the world. Millions. Millions. It's going to be like a multi-platinum. Yeah. It's 1994. <laughs> but, uh, but I I was. I was genuinely concerned. And, and even as I'm about to say this, I am as well. I feel like I I, I don't remember having those. I think I, I must have had some of those conversations with my father. I remember talking to my dad about the spectrum on which cops behave and that as an internal affairs cop, his job was, I remember him describing his job to me essentially in terms of like, I'm not very popular in, in the fraternity there because essentially the IA cop is the cop that's like keeping track oh, of right. the behavior of other okay. cops. I was going to ask sure. that. I have no idea what that means. It's like which Serpico. is embarrassing so much, so much law and order. No, it, it's, I mean, I, I am speaking loosely to it and it's more embarrassing. You're watching law Jonah, and order. Do you know who <laughs> your dad's character is on law and order? I don't. I don't um, know. Is, okay. I don't know. Internal they probably bring and IA in every Serpico once in a while. Is yeah. internal affairs. He was just a detective who who sniffed out some crooked cops, and he goes I to. I think he enlists the help of, of internal yeah. affairs. Yeah. If you have yeah, any yeah. questions about the special victims unit, <laughs> then we can go directly to you. Yeah. You're D'Onofrio, man. Yeah, 
No, he's he's criminal intent. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I watched Sinead O'Connor play at City Winery last year with Vincent D'Onofrio sitting where you are. Really? I didn't say a word to him. I was just like, that's insanely weird. And he was just like singing along with his eyes closed to this is the last day of our acquaintance. And really? I was like, this is a beautiful moment. But anyway. He doesn't come off as a Sinead guy to me. No, he was on a date for sure. And that was oh, one of the songs that he okay. was like, oh, all right. I know, I know this, this song. Jam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll play it all. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> he is an actor after all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, An act for a night to enjoy Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. And she yeah. was really good that night, I have to say. Is she still bald? Yeah, she was bald, newly bald again. For like a bick or like just like no, a little fuzz. Little fuzz. Little fuzz. That's cool. Like the underarm hair in the Weird Al video. Not <laughs> much you, hair. <laughs> but just spread across her I head. Mean, all right, so back but to the gear five. I, yeah. So uh, what I can say is I'm sure if I shadowed any of my family members as police over the entire arc of their career as police, I would have seen things that I would have now as a 36 year old person in the world informed by the things I've been informed by since seeing that bumper sticker on Kurt Cobain's guitar. I'm sure there's shit they did that I would think was less than stellar or admirable. I think you exist in the context in which you exist. And I think that unfortunately there is a lot of systemic rot in those institutions and there's a lot of like antiquated attitudes. I knew a kid I really liked I went to high school with, whose name I was about to say and won't, who became a cop, lived his whole life on the South Shore of Staten Island, went to the academy and was put into Brownsville. That is not a winning equation. Right. Your attitudes are formed by living in this one place where his exposure sure. to any kind of minority community or non-Western European ethnic community was nil and then it's like you are immediately sort of part of their training should be preparedness for that kind of thing and maybe to some extent it is i don't know but i remember speaking to him and being kind of shocked that sure. this dude was in this place and well, so it's a, it's a naive point of view isn't it you know because and not not to mention that it, it would be tough enough if you took a person with that background and put him in an all you know a black working establishment any, or, or an education or anything, they would feel that there's like a cultural step that which I have to go over to figure out what the fuck is going on around here. And which incidentally, anyone in any marginalized or minority community feels all the fucking time. Right. So, well, <laughs> you and that's know, where, it's I mean, of, if you put it on the other foot, it's like, how are you supposed to feel when like a 23 year old kid essentially from another neighborhood yes who knows nothing about your culture nothing about your neighborhood or your reality not only is showing up there but is showing up there and or weapon harassing yeah in uniform like with weapons like yeah that's like that's something that 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 i think people are maybe naive but about. to speak and and that point leads to speak directly to your question which i don't think i did yet directly to your first question about how it informs how i see things now uh, the moment we're in now, I feel like because of where I grew up, how I grew up and the people I grew up around, there is a part of me that like, that is exactly true. The scenario you just described. And I also still feel like there is a part in the human experience to also allocate some degree of empathy for the person who is the 23 year old in that situation who doesn't really know better, sure, but is in I'm not saying that person deserves the majority of my consideration or empathy because he is ultimately the representative of systemic power and has a weapon in his pocket. But 
deserves a portion. He's of still it. a person, sure. and there's an amount of the how I feel about all this stuff now is like, for lack of a less ridiculous, uh, cautious and sad, intellectually cautious and sad. Like you don't want to. I don't want to. You want to like listen and learn and be open, and you also don't want to like. Um, say the wrong thing but you are inevitably going to say the wrong thing in some direction because it's like minefield well, yeah, stuff in both directions it's all gray area it's I mean, all only all gray, area. gray area so i guess like where i because when i was listening to the song i was thinking about it and i was like i thought it was really brave to put on but i was also like wanted to ask you like i guess why because to me it's like it's not like you're in propaganda like you don't have to do this like, you don't have to make this public. You don't have to write a song about it. You don't have to deal with those six people having to hear it. What sort of made it for you that it was important to sort of write the song and put it on the record? For lack of a less music interviewee sounding answer, it's the true answer. And so this is what I think. I am not in propaganda, but I also am not like Josh Groban, there is some amount of song, I, there is some percentage of my songwriting on every record I've made since 2003. Yeah, you have a political that history. Has, that it, well, has dealt with, I would say, like social justice issues to some extent. There's also a large percentage of it that's not about that at all. When I am moved to do that, I do it, and I try to not ask too many questions of myself along that process because I'll stop doing it if I do. So what happened was... I went to two Black Lives Matter rallies or Black Lives Matter centric rallies. I mean, there were other groups there after Eric Garner, I think it was. And I went to one with Matthew from Not A Surf and, and a few other people and went to one with two friends of mine I grew up with. And after that second one, just happened there was just a day where the, I, it was like a little fire in your brain and the thing it's a, like any other song you were gonna write that where the thing where you're like pacing around the kitchen trying to figure out the chord progression that completes the thought or the couplet that completes the thought but the thing that was being written about was freddie gray and actually i'm sorry yes the first one was for eric garner and the second one was for freddie gray and around freddie gray and then it felt like if I didn't, no one gives a shit besides me. It ultimately is how I feel about this. And if I didn't finish it, I would have felt like I blinked in, in, in that exchange sure. with myself. And I also felt like I have a friend who's like a kind of card-carrying Marxist, really smart, really contrarian dude who I've known forever and who pushes me in a lot of directions to think about things I might not think about certain ways. And I remember talking to him about this a while ago and he was like, that's a very specific experience that you have that isn't something that a lot of people have. Somebody yeah. who is, you are like a straight white man, but you are also like someone who grew up influenced by a kind of radical underground politicized music world that also has all these like cops in your family. And so to speak to that, I feel like if you're going to write, if I'm going to write a song about what happened to Freddie Gray part of me writing that song has to be personalizing it to an extent that I, my voice even on any level deserves to be in the room part of that conversation. Because kind of, I just feel like um, too many people's voices are in that conversation that don't need to be. And maybe I thought that one, one way to 
have some currency in that conversation is to hyper-personalize it, to put some skin in it. Um, and if that makes sense, that's part of why. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you went to a rally and, and as you know, you would write a love song or any other kind of song, it was sort of an emotional response. That is what I would say. And then it becomes a songwriting thing too. You're trying to, I don't like songs that point at me, but I also don't like songs that are like, we are the world or whatever. I feel like it's a pretty good song. We know what I mean though. I feel like. I, I, Imagine you thought of yourself wearing those headphones, though. <laughs> yeah, alone in my kitchen with yeah. the one ear. Covered. What was Michael Jackson's pet monkey? Oh. Bubbles. Yeah, Bubbles. was Bubbles in the video for We Are the World? Was he holding them? I don't. I remember. feel like he was. I, had, I definitely been. had the seven inch, and it had photos of them all over it. I do imagine Michael Jackson, and I imagine not only Bubbles, but I imagine Bubbles in like a Sergeant Pepper's jacket. That's what I'm, I feel like he. Well, yeah. MJ definitely was at that point. Yeah. He might have been fresh off buying the oh, Beatles yeah. catalog that was and was cool. like, yeah. Was anyway, his, his Beatles face. I, yeah, I, I don't know if that Sorry, makes I sense. No, that stand up. I guess song. the thing that I I struggle with, and this is like sort of hard stuff to talk about no i don't i don't i'm happy to talk Jonah, about this it. is a safe place this you is a safe that. place well it's interesting what you say because i feel like yeah like what you're saying is true like too many voices like like the three of us have a very certain perspective on things and like can't totally understand what it's like to be on the other side no matter how much you try to sure. imagine but at the same time like you're a human being you have like informed opinions on things like it's like I feel like sometimes being totally like left out of any kind of dialogue because of that can also be like almost like detrimental way because it's like no I'm like I'm with you guys like I agree and it's like shut up you don't understand anything. I think that that was part of the thought process in writing the song too. And I think it's like pretty again that song's very very uh, that was another aesthetic choice I guess was to try to communicate as directly as possible without that story doesn't need poetry anyway to be impactful it's pretty impactful without you know flowers but um but i think that the whole third verse of that song is basically about saying like i know i can't know exactly what this experience is like i will i'm not trying to say that i i could and i would never try to say that i could and in fact i think what you're saying is correct and i also think I'm not parsing my language to be like uh, cautious. I'm parsing it to try to get the words right. I feel like the that instinct on the far left or from marginalized communities to say like, no, you can't be part of this conversation is a corrective to so much this avalanche of horseshit from the other side that's like, no, it's racist to say I don't know what it's like to be. It's like, no, it's not. It is. It, you're talking about perspectives. You're talking yeah. about lived experience. But I think sometimes, and I again am saying this from the position of being someone who is unconsciously privileged all the time, but I do think that sometimes that can be an overcorrective because you can shut out advocates and allies, but I do understand where that impulse comes from. Right. Uh, I can also bring this to a place of relative levity fairly quickly, which is to say that after that song was written, lived in my mind for a while, it was out for a while... (laughs) <laughs> that Macklemore song came out which uh, was about white privilege, which, white privilege and I have already like uh, this happened the other day at Made in America Festival I was walking back from like getting paid and these dudes that were working at one of the fucking vending things were like yo what's up Macklemore and I was like oh god yeah. <laughs> and I had this moment of like 
all these serious things we're talking about and serious layered considerations. And I was like, you're also another redheaded white guy who's putting out a song about white privilege after the prime redheaded white guy put out a song <laughs> called white privilege. Yeah. And then I was like, that's not strong enough to remove it from the track listing, but you know, <laughs> mindful. It's a, it's a tricky thing too, though. I mean, I think. So Macklemore. And, <laughs> and that's the funny thing is, is if you ask like a Nazi, I'm not even white. But I'm gonna stand. Right, I'm gonna right. stand up for for white people to a point anyway. I think like the way we define white privilege has become a bit of a problem. Like even the way we define it, I believe, is causing some of this counter reaction because coming from I, I come from a place of a lot of like working class white people, yes. and like the idea that like to to a guy who's let's just take the example of somebody who's who's not exactly an intellectual, okay? They don't think too deeply into situations. They see what they see. Maybe they just don't have an interest in that type of thing. And they work a job that gets them up at 6 o'clock every morning. They trudge. They do something hard. They do something physical. They come home. Yeah, they right. watch their kids. They do all this shit. Workers. The last thing somebody like that wants to hear is that I'm living with a privilege that somebody else doesn't have. And I right. think all the the nuance that people who decide to really look into these situations can find, we can find and you can easily find the places where we are at an advantage simply because of the color of our skin and the construct of everything around us. But I think the language and the way it's been approached has sort of half created the Trump thing. Well, I think that I do think that I, I I grew up with in the same circumstances with the same people, you know. I, I know exactly what you mean, and I, I mean, I and and not to be, I feel like some amount of this could sound like you're like trying to like claim your space or like have your rep as this working class guy. But I will say, like, I remember growing up, and I remember there being conversations about like making rent payments, and I remember like reading um, Huck Finn and like going into my younger brother's room and being like, like hearing my parents having these like pitched conversations and being like. I thought it was awesome because we were on this like poor adventure. Oh right! And my right, brother right. started fucking weeping. He was like, "What do you mean?" Like he thought it meant like we were gonna like lose. And my dad <laughs> came. I was like, "Don't you say that!" You know. But uh, but but I think you're totally right in that experience. A lot of the people that that like generations long people, dudes in Bay Ridge that neighbors of mine that work on fucking construction teams they don't want to hear about that because they're just trying to like right. get overtime or, or clear, whatever i'm not trying to say i believe white privilege exists oh it's inarguable but i know what you're live saying with white privilege yes. but there is no way to explain to them the the minutiae of like what white privilege is well and so it's much it's not going to come across and who's to say it's incumbent upon um whatever word you want to use, minority communities, marginalized communities, communities that aren't cis white men, whatever. I mean, that word cis, for example, I didn't know what that was till two years ago. Someone called me out online for something I reposted and used that, that Ooh, language. That? I don't even know. I think that is a categorizer for someone who's white, sexual. straight, like white, straight. But, uh, I don't know if it's ra- if there's a, j- a race thing. I think it's a j- a sexual uh, uh. like gender a gendered thinking thing where it's like um, how you define your sexual interest. Which I think cis is is meant to be the the most normative of those like man to woman, what are the woman actual letters? Men. You know, we actually CIS. CIS. We did CIS. we did a podcast with uh, sounds Anika, like another law Anika, and order to me. <laughs> who used to be in Chumped. And do you know her? Oh yeah, and yeah. We, yep. she, we did all this. Stuff I know with, who she is. I don't know her person. She's great. But she did all this 
talked all the stuff about gender binaries and all this stuff that was way over my head. But and I had to sure, explain it to me. So go back and listen to that podcast. I was going to say, right. in, in fact, instead of us going forward there, because I'm sure <laughs> yeah. she's probably more yeah, yeah, nuanced she, and, and so intel- intelligent and about it. I, I do feel like some of those, some of the, like that vocabulary, though, like not that in particular, but like when someone's like, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, that seems problem. Like, everything's like problematic. Yes, no, and that goes back. Yes. And I'm just like, ugh. Like, well, there and is that's a- just going to embolden the people that you're trying to open their eyes to. That That's that's where I see and I, the but, problem. But I think it's like a lot of what Kevin says. Like, I think a lot of that stuff is a, is an overcorrection. It's a correction right. that a correction. then gets to, that's how I feel. I feel, yeah. and I feel that. I'm just going to put words in Kevin's no, mouth. No, that's right. The, yeah. yeah. It's Jonah, like, let's bullshit like yeah. what Kevin says. <laughs> let's talk as if Kevin's not here. Yeah. Yeah. be an interesting way to approach yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I think, but I, th- think I, think, Jonah, I think, I think, I think Kevin Divine, his insight on this would yeah. be. No, yeah. but I, I think, I think it's the same thing. I think it's like, I can't imagine going to college right now. Like, I think like it, like this stuff is so crazy. Like, I think just like shouting down people who don't agree with you, like not wanting to hear any dissenting opinions like i do think there's like been like this crazy shift and it's almost like now it's like too much like you can't do anything if it doesn't fit into this box which is and i think that as a person who is sensitive to this feels to me like i what what may be like remember the movie pcu oh yes like 90s kind of kind of campus culture but sort of steroid addled and it must and, and how could it not be because with the the advancement of social media and 24-hour access to everything all the time. Sure. How could things not be elevated? Get and, the meat tossers. And, right, but it's yeah. like, <laughs> but the megaphone's a lot wider and, right. and all, a lot more pointless, sure. the, what, it, what it projects. Um, and Jeremy Piven has much more hair now. Yeah, much he, more hair he looks now. About twenty much, years younger than much, he did in PCU. Much more know. hair now. Yeah, Jeremy Piven is Benjamin Button. Yeah, he's he going, is. He's That's the takeaway from this entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like. Uh, I think that is a corrective uh, as somebody who spends a lot of time at shows around people that are younger than him. And as somebody who is sensitive to wanting to not think I can't learn from people that are younger than him. I, I, there is a lot of this that I think is important and good and valuable. And I also think like a lot of things, again, it's not for me to determine whether I just, I'm trying to listen more, but then I'm trying to not be prone to my own overcorrecting to start thinking that everything I've ever thought needs to be fucking dismantled because that's not true either. Right. And, and it's some not of functional. Well, it's not functional. It's not functional. And some of what's, I hate to say this because it might sound a little bit like crotchety or this is a safe space. Kevin. No, well, <laughs> what I was going to say is I feel like some of this as invariably happens in every cultural movement that is fronted by and advanced by and and fueled by the enthusiasm and vigor of younger people sure. burns off and some of the lessons of it stick and some of the lessons of it turn out to be over with the benefit of time sure to not have been the next right thing there's no way to know that in the middle of it and you are fueled by and fi- and on fire with the this holy awareness of of being a change agent and that's how fucking things happen and i'm great with that but not all of it's Right, but because not right, all of it's but, ever right. But it's also like such like a weird slippery slope. Like I feel like I'll be like, oh, I want to watch this like Christopher Hitchens thing on YouTube, and then it's like like a Sam Harris thing on Islam. I'm like, oh, this is cool, and then it's like four steps later, it's like they're bringing up videos or it's like shouting down feminists at like rally. Like, yeah, yeah. I like, can't like can't sort of these things exist without it just being like so far to yeah. one crazy. That's extreme. exactly the point I was going to make, and that's the thing with Kevin where I said sometimes it doesn't feel functional, like. 
I'm living in this weird space currently where, I mean, I was born liberal. I've stayed liberal. If anything, this Trump thing and things like that have only pushed bold in my yeah. own position to actually believe in what I believe in more. But the, if there's one thing I've become familiar with in life is now division. It's like the thing I'm used to. It's like this side saying this and this side saying this is so old to me now that it seems like it's going to stay. Like it's always going to be there. And it's these like throwing bottles of like right, wrong, right, wrong, which feel dogmatic to me inside of government. And relentless. When government is supposed to be or at least democratic government is supposed theoretically, to be theoretically about compromise. A, and all or at I'm least hearing, dialogue at the very least dialogue. At least talking right. about yeah. it. And that's where like, I recently have been exploring the mindset of liberals a lot. Cause when something like Trump happens, there's always to me, like there's always been someone like that. There's always been a Pat Robertson, a David Duke, a, uh, there's always been this like no, he's, this he, this figurehead that's like represented that those people they've always been there, and I can't help but wonder what created it to a point that it's at this time, and I have to think that like seven years as a of a black president and seven years of essentially being told your culture is wrong, this culture is right, we're just generally smarter, and you should believe right. us has half caused what we're dealing with now. I think there are a mil I think that's fair and and I think accurate and I think there are a million things you could postulate about why this has happened. I, I you know and what this even is and maybe yeah. what this ends up really being which is what it's like what happens 10 or 12 years from now. Yeah. That thing that concerns me primarily, I mean I'm concerned about him becoming the leader of the free world for however long that is still true but i am primarily concerned about even if he loses what happens with the millions of people thinking mar heretofore marginal radical crazy kind of shit that has now been mainstreamed by his mm. or or more mainstreamed Organized. by his yeah that's what I'm more concerned about because I don't think it's like he's going to lose the election and all these people are going to go, well, we were wrong. You know, right. it's, if they've never actually been more emboldened. It's true. And so, um, but I think a lot of what you're saying, you know, I think that um, on the, so you tend to see these things as like, uh, like a straight line left and right. But really when you get to these like hyper rigid dogmatic places, it's a circle and they're like right next to each other, mm -hmm. you know, in some respects, like the maybe super radical Marxist isn't as far ideologically from like some real hardline right wing oh, yeah. militia motherfucker, because neither really has a lot of room, whether the saint is, is Carl or the, you know, the saint is some, vague religi religiosity or something if you're sainting anyone there's not a lot of room for an alternative uh, for a conversation actually right. you can't really have a conversation if you've already decided the other party's wrong right and i think part of what when we talk about and a lot of this is uh, you uh, some ham-fisted attempting to grapple with some of this is present on the record like i feel like part of how you get there is what you're talking about it's also like September 11th just happened. I think what happened in the reaction, the, the years reacting to that 
how we react, not we, uh, the people we tend to know, but we as a country, we. we as, yeah, the royal we, the royal, the editorial we, uh, how we reacted to that, you know, I, I just, I think there's a lot of, there was a big trauma point. And then I think how everything kind of wrapped itself around that or really kind of scattered to the corners away from that. Everything just kind of got really pitched and really far. Yeah. And um, so kind of like anything that comes from that, like how does Trump happen? Because like if people spend 15 years watching Fox News exclusively and, and on the drive to and from the jobs you're describing, listening to... Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity exclusively and the other people spend those drives only right the other people spend those drives only listening to NPR right and at home only watching MSNBC or whatever it is like everything's pretty uh calcified and 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 you can't really there's not a lot of movement that can happen and is that an opiate like we just had Justin Pearson on and we talked about this and something similar came up and he basically came back to like, well, left, right. It doesn't matter. It's like we're all getting played by the, you know, string, the string movers. Well, the, I mean, not the less than the 0.01% who are attempting to cause this havoc to to do whatever they want freely. And that's the stuff where I, I mean, I don't, I'm not smart enough to get into like worldwide interweaving you know, yeah, but you got the internet. I do have the you internet. Can, I'm not smart enough to use the World dude, Wide Web or blog, whatever it's called. Kevin, and you can you have a literally, whole vinyl series, yeah, Kevin. I'm not smart I mean, enough to have a web. Dude, no, but I think... You don't even need... You don't need facts. You need nothing. You don't need Start facts. Start your blog. You don't need and facts. And just present it as truth, and it's real. That's, that, that is that that's is actually you might have what we're dealing but with you might have that is the moment we're in. And I would just say before we... You know, I, I do think that you know it's that is a really scary thing that is that does feel a little different now is that there is i feel like it is noteworthy that this is the this this candidate is really really uh removed from any kind of um basis in fact about anything and when pressed about that well first of all i don't somehow is totally teflon and slithers right through it that does feel a little different to me. The level of factlessness, rootlessness in that way feels a little different to me. And but that's it, him seizing the times. You know, I literally went onto the internet recently and nearly convinced myself the Holocaust didn't happen. Well, because of how much information there is to and that not end. just like not just like ah, fucking Jews information, like really well like nice laid out squarespace work yeah people are you know what i mean like <laughs> we, we had images we had bibliographies like like i'm talking like something that comes off like a reference graduate book. school report. and by the end of it i'm like oh geez hmm and and it's because like you could say whatever the fuck it's and if scary you go onto the internet wanting to believe the holocaust you will didn't happen come away from there's yes. more than enough to like this go ahead is like me going that. on like medical sites and being like I'm gonna die. Which that's exactly right. That's exactly thing. right. It is. It's and and it's kind of scary. That's actually very scary. And I do actually think there is something to be said for, um, like I have a friend that goes and watches like the this is really grisly, but like you know execution 
videos and stuff that like ISIS will yeah. post because it's happening and I want to see it. Yeah. And I'm like, I totally understand that mindset. And I know it's happening and I don't want to see that. I don't, I feel like there's a bridge that I can cross with that stuff where I, some part of your brain's not coming back after you've exposed yourself yeah. fully to all of that stuff. And I have to do it to stay liberal. You have to do what? Watch the beheading videos. You've, you've like, watched them before? Yeah. And really? I do it because I don't want to be told by the other side that I'm being naive. Right. You know, like I understand that's that. the reason I understand why I expose myself to is so someone can't be like, you don't understand the horrors of you. No, I it's get like, it. No, I, I get it. These it. motherfuckers behead people as the worst shit ever. Moving on. Like, but I don't want that to be like used against me in the conversation. No, I, that, I, that is fair. You want to steal yourself for steely times. Speaking of racism, but, Kevin. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this has been, this is good. Yeah. This, well, is, no, this feels more this, like the, uh, like Bill Moyers well, or something. something yeah. This is something that might really hit near and dear to the heart that I think about often. You're an authentic redheaded guy. I am an authentic True, redheaded guy. Authentic redheaded guy. Why? I, Tell me this. So this I have no idea. Why where this is are go. redheads like for some reason like the only group Still of don't people know. Yeah. who have a physical characteristic that everyone is allowed to fuck with <laughs> and say a name and call it this and call it that. And there's no anti-defamation league for the redheaded. There's no, like, like what's the difference between your whole body being covered in red hair and your skin My being a different body. color? Like, for those that can't see, yeah, I'm like the Toxic Avenger the or something. Yeah, Kevin is yeah. just covered like, yeah. in red fur. He looks That's like right. a yeah, sesame That's right. And I have a lot of redhead. In my, my, my mom's a redhead. My gra- like, but like, I have a ginger, lot of it too. But like, yeah. I'm not allowed to call, well, I'm allowed to call Jonah a kike, but you're not. That's but I've been, the Thank gin- you for I've been called a ginger too, and I feel like I'm not super but gingery. Why but why can anyone, white, black, Spanish, Jewish, whatever, call you a ginger and go away unfettered? Why I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest, please, that unionize. No, I'm okay with that, and here's why: if there is one, there is no class issue at play here. There is no what? functional social. Um, Besides just a little red meat, a little meanness, it doesn't have any kind of like, it doesn't affect me from getting work. It doesn't affect me from, so what I would say is. How do you if, know though? Well, cause I mean, I've, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm doing great, you know? Well, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Financially. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no, I, what I mean is if there's a, if there's a playful place for people to put their bullshit and it needs to be on redheads, then we'll accept that. I definitely You're speaking. I'm for speaking all for all the redheads. Okay. I would say though, I never thought I was ever mindful of that at all. Ever. And I feel like the ginger thing is actually kind of a relative I don't remember that when I was a kid. I, don't really, I still don't understand I don't it either. I really remember not it either. Red. But now like I feel like just because I have so many comedians like Lucy K or Bill yeah. Burr or all these guys and they always have to like sort of almost bring it up to diffuse people. And right. Conan. Yeah. I feel like there's also I didn't know when I was in Australia once they told me bluey was a word for what? it, which I thought was funny. But what I was going to say is something that like on the Macklemore tip, right. it is awesome. Oh, lead me down. And the I don't mind tip. redheadedness for this purpose, like on our train going through Sunset Park when I had longer hair, like kind of a bowl haircut, 2000 two maybe 
And these kids would like, without fail, weekly, someone would go, <laughs> what up, Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Not Shaggy, but the dog. And they meant Shaggy. And, you know, like, if you can't laugh at that, you're too taking That's life fair. too seriously. I would just sit there and laugh my ass off and, like, wave at them and stuff. And kids would be like, yo, look, at Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and I'd be like, it is Scooby-Doo. That's me. I, so. I'm surprised by this because you're such a... You're such an open man to so many things, and and you're like <laughs> uh, that's a, su- that's great. Such a like, I mean, I maybe like this this white defeatism has gone too far. Like you can protect yourself. No, listen, Kevin, I stand attack. up for me. I stick up for me. <laughs> but I'm just saying that I feel like that's that's harmless, and that is an attack. They were really like they were stoked. They thought they were seeing a celebrity. <laughs> Scooby Doo. You, you smoke enough weed. You think Scooby Doo? <laughs> yeah, I'm Scooby Doo walking around. Yeah. One time I was on a combination of ecstasy, ketamine, and weed, and oh, I thought an goodness. old wooden door in my apartment turned into Woody Allen. That's how like verbal my brain. I was looked at it and I was like, it was old wood, <laughs> and the combination of chemicals was like Woody Allen. And I turned to my friend and I was like, Yo, dude, 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 chill out, chill out, but Woody Allen in the apartment he was like what the fuck are you talking about did you chat to him no he was just like in the corner woody allening out doing nebishy shit yeah yeah, yeah. um is nebishy an insensitive word probably you're not allowed to no (laughs) see this is hype this is an overcorrection nebish i don't think that's an exclusively jewish term i think it's associated with yeah i think it was probably once okay and a bunch of people were like ah nebish nebs fucking nebs and then somebody was like oh that's (laughs) fucking nebs that is fucking nebs so it's probably i bet somebody's got a fucking problem with it someone's a problem with everything yeah i had a tangential cop question go you're driving you this history all these cops in your family you get pulled over. Mm-hmm. Not like not pulled over for like high speed chase. Like you're pulled over for like your blinkers out. Speeding or yeah. something. Yeah. Do you have like some kind of special card? Like some code word? So my dad passed away in 2003. Okay. They, t- until that point, and then I think for maybe two or three years afterwards, there is a, a PBA, P- Policeman's Benevolence Association. It's basically like a And the family social card, card is like the gold card, right? <laughs> get out of jail free kind of thing <laughs> they sent it was it was like I, if i remember correctly there were like eagles maybe wearing like cop hats <laughs> flags but but uh my mom had one and i had one how big is it like credit it's like a card, card yeah okay. credit card size it was not wholly uh reliable like you could put it on i would if i was like parking somewhere that maybe i shouldn't have parked i would like put it on the dashboard and i'd come back and sometimes there'd be like a ticket and sometimes there wouldn't because well, parking people aren't cops they're right they're a whole so different they don't thing care. i've never had it happen where i got pulled over and would you pass that with the license I, that or? is yeah, something is that, that i was goes? yeah i think you okay. would and okay. i i think i did so it's supposed to remain unsaid it's like you're like, not like you know my dad was a cop so well, you just like slip the card i in think with that your stuff. i am by the way you may get someone who knows more about this in the police community might be like that's bullshit that's not how that works yeah, that's, that's what my memory was that's fine i'm just asking you my your memory. personal experience i can tell you though once i did i was on my phone and this was two years ago this was a decade after and i got pulled over and i was like it was one of those days where you're scrambling between five things you're like trying to like leaving for tour or something you're trying to like get shit done and i was like ah fuck it i'll just do this quick 
and a cop, it was on Wythe, and a cop pulled me over, and I was like, look, dude, and I just was like, this is white privilege, by the way, at play. My brother pointed this out to me after. He's like, oh, that's what that is. But I was like, look, I'm I'm late for work. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. You know, I said something like my dad was a cop, and the guy was like, just fucking go. And I was like, great. Uh, but once I also did get pulled over for speeding in Arizona and I told the cop, I, I don't know what, this was like, you're on tour too long. It's like a month. My brain was kind of fried and I turned to the cop. I was 10, I was 11 miles an hour over. And I remember vividly my dad one day when I was a kid being like, this is also not like gospel fact at all. But he was like, you can get up to like 11 over and they won't pull you over. <laughs> so I was, that's been in my head. Like, no, as that's though that's true. Cause the. 11 to 12 is the cutoff from a two point to a four point ticket, isn't well, it? Well, maybe this is then. So maybe he was saying a something. scale of how fast. I don't know, Narc. Going. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't Narc. This is a 20 year old Benny had 14 points. On That's what it was. So yeah. I had a lot yeah. of experience. You did like here. five years for traffic related. I, I had to, I had a car that I was financing that I was 20 years old needed full coverage on it in New Jersey. My insurance, high-risk insurance, went up to $7,500 a year. Jesus Christ. So I had to pull the car off the road but continue to pay my finance payments while I took the Middlesex... County bus. Oh, Jesus. To, to county college. Reliable like Middlesex that. County bus. It was all right. It's NJ Trans. It's That's cool. oh, okay. That's yeah, legit. It's fine. We're in a good level. But I but, was like the only white kid reading Harry Potter yeah. on, on this thing, which which is sometimes why I'm like, I want to avoid privilege. Right. I read Harry because Potter. Because I read Harry Potter on a public <laughs> bus like three times. Yeah. <laughs> So you're, you're 11 miles over. Yeah, 11 cop, miles over, sorry. The, no, it's okay. okay. The, very good. He's like, you've done this before. Yeah, the, I've done a couple times. The cop pulls me over and says, like, you're, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I, I was, like, indignant. I was like, no. And he was like, well, why do you think? I was like, speeding? And Mark, Mike Strandberg, our guitar player, is in the passenger seat, like, looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? And I was like... He was like, well, yeah. And I was like, I was, li- well, I, I guess I'm just surprised because my, <laughs> because my father was a cop in New York uh, for 33 years. And he told me that if you're up to 11 miles an hour over, you should be okay. And I know I was going 76 and 65. And the guy was like, <laughs> and the guy was like, well, that's not what my gun read or whatever. And I said to him, well, then it must have been 77. And the cop was like, is there a problem, sir? (laughs) (laughs) You were starting shit. Yeah, my guitar player, like, the minute he walked away, who's a very mild guy, was like, yo, what are you doing, dude? Like, (laughs) stop. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. Like, this, I was really, like, going to win. I wanted to, like, win the argument and have him be like, you're right, dude. Yeah, that's Uh, true. I guess I'm just surprised. You should be surprised. surprised. What am I doing here? What was the end game to that? Did you think in, like, five minutes he's going to be like... Right, Wait, so what, and well, then this kid's a straight his, shooter. He just puts his badge down on the hood of your car and just walks off. Yeah, what, yeah. What, my life's been like, a lie. So what yeah. happened? He went back and wrote you a ticket? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure on the way he tried to like look around and like, kicked out one of the taillights and was like, and your taillights out too. No, it was just, he basically wrote that. that I have a question out. tying into this. Too much laughing. Too much laughing going on. No, this yeah. is good. Jesus sorry. God, so I sorry. feel like we went from, we've gone from laughing to like pretty heavy <laughs> yeah. sociological well, we examination. Well, so. it should all be a mix of everything it should because be. in the end, 
it's all stupidly hilarious for the fact that we all know nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what in the end that's what's funny. But we had Sturgeon from Leftover Crack on, who has a lot of opinions about police and stuff like that. Uh, you know, critical, but from. Uh, a much different point of view sure and uh it's a lot to be critical of i asked him and it's something i've always wondered because i've known some really good cops in my life good people that more often than not in a if you took it like a percentage like one out of ten is it is there something about being a police officer that draws a certain person to the job Mm. or do good people get changed by the infrastructure like like is a good person brought into to the world they're brought into and things become compromised for them or is there naturally a type of person that gets drawn to being in that position you know he was like i forget the exact but he's like not all of them but most of them are essentially people with power trips, people with certain things to prove that want to become cops. I am sort of in the middle. It's probably both. I'm just curious if you're, I can only speak to my, my own experience of it. And and it was like, if my family, if my great grandfather had been a baker, I think all those people I just listed would have been bakers. Like if he ran a bakery, they, it just was like a family business. And I think for a lot of people, particularly Irish to a lesser extent, maybe Italian, but I think, you know, that, that conversation we had earlier about assimilation, it's, you have the benefit now of 150 or 160 years of hindsight. It took a long time for all those fucking people to assimilate. And sure. all of those people for a long time here were like, need not apply. Rest, it, resistance. You know, against, yeah. uh, so I think that for particularly in the early 20th century, uh, part of that process, it was almost like, being becoming a postman or a, or or working for the MTA whatever it was mm. then if it was the MTA or not it was like a civic job that right. gave you some stability some kind of income it's the same I, I think it's the same reason it's like do a lot of soldiers have power trips or want to go kill people maybe I think a lot of them want to go to college too so that's or want to have that that's my family experience do you think that like a lot of the Irish especially specifically New York Irish leading into being firemen and cops. I always saw that as some sort of just kind of bizarre cultural fallout. But do you think it was in a response to so much, you know, oppression the Irish felt when they came to America and a need to like want to really become a part of like the the system they're in? Ideally, I think to some extent it was what what more American thing to embrace in some sense than sure. those institutions. But I also than law enforcement. But what right. I also really think is that. Um, to some extent, it's kind of like the the workers we were talking about earlier, the dudes we grew up with, or the the people we grew up with that that work work these jobs that you're talking about that are less like um, <clears throat> cerebral or whatever, and more kind of physical or whatever. I kind of think those two jobs were seen as an extension of that mm-hmm. world. It sure. was like you know, at a time it was like my grandfather worked the docks too. It was like these things were like what was available, right? And there was an upward mobility component and a stability to that. I don't even know if they were thinking about it this deeply, to right. be quite honest. Like that, sure. that, and I think with people like my dad, who was a really smart guy and who, you know, 
was a real like voracious reader and uh, you know had a, a very intellectual component of his personality but also was like a dude who was born in 1935 in park slope in a two-room apartment with six brothers you know like and sisters it was like what do you do when he was 20 he enlisted in the military and he went it was between korea and vietnam and when he came back well what do you do for work you take the cops test that yeah. i just think that's what that whole thing kind of was yeah. um and i think that that is in some way uh reflected in the fact that none of my generation of my family I said two cousins did, but like my brother and I, my younger brother actually told me that I didn't, I never knew this. He had a moment of considering it hmm. seriously more to continue the family really? business because huh. he was, a, he was the last one and he had this awareness that like, oh shit, if I don't do it, no more cops. it like skipped a generation or, huh. or died with our, sure. I never thought about it. It didn't suit my personality. Are you my oldest brother? No, I have, well. I come from a family of six, but my dad was married once before. Okay. So I have four older half siblings. I'm the older of my, my brother and I. Gotcha. But, uh, but depending, I'm either fifth of six or the oldest, depending on which, you know, vantage point you take think from the family. think you can use it for whatever conversation you're in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know totally what it's like to be the fifth. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone talks about that all the time. Classic fifth kid Classic. syndrome. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I think that. Yeah, I, I, I really think what their their motivations were that to answer the second part of that about the kind whether it changes you, I know something my father said a lot. And again, I did not agree with my father politically, ideologically about a great many things. I, I'm sure my father probably voted for the Republican candidate for president every election he voted in in his life. Okay. Maybe with one or two exceptions. Maybe he voted for Kennedy because he was Catholic. I don't know. But <laughs> but most, you know. Um, but I also know like he was more or less a fair person. My experience of him was sure. that I'm sure there are other people that could argue that, but I think that, you know, he would say that when you spend your days dealing with the, this is, these words are all loaded and, and, and mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But when you spend your days dealing with the worst elements of like I guess whatever you would call the criminal element sure. of a society that changes the way you your suspicions your uh, well, everyone's constantly lying to you yes yeah I'm sure the other side of that is a larger structural conversation about what determines criminality and why those conditions exist and blah 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 sure. blah, blah blah but if you're living that every day I think it does change you to some extent you know sure. what i would say is that i would say that i've heard things that i would call abstractly prejudice uh in, in my you know that world my 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 fa some of my family maybe some of their friends but i also would say like my father in practice in my life was very 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 uh aware of that not being how I saw the world, you know? And I kind of remember being a kid and doing something stupid when I was like five or six years old in preschool. Uh, <clears throat> that was like, I think I slapped this kid, the one black kid in our class. I think I slapped him on the back. He, he had no shirt on for some reason in class. And I remember coming home and saying something about it to my dad. And I must have said something that indicated something prejudicial. 
And I remember, uh, this is maybe too much for this podcast, but it's just real. I remember safe my dad, place, Kevin. safe place. I, he hit me, he smacked me in the face and he was like, you don't say that. We don't think stuff like that. Mm. I'll never, I mean, I remember being like, okay. You know, I was yeah. five, I was six. I heard it somewhere. Sure. I said it from somewhere. And I remember he, maybe that was a moment of like, oh fuck, they they hear uh, right, the walls right. have yeah, ears yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. But um, my experience of how my dad actually lived in the world and how, by extension, I would say these family members live in the world is a lot different than this kind of cartoonish, prejudicial cop that hates black people and is like a secret Klansman or something. That's not the people I grew up around. It's nuanced. It's f- super fucking complicated and nuanced. Yeah. Uh, and I can't speak to it with any kind of empirical knowledge. I can just say what the people I grew up around were like. Cool. What what would you think about like so you have you have a son right? I have a daughter you have a daughter five and a half month old okay you have a daughter and say like in a few years for whatever reason you you didn't really bring it around or something like that your daughter just starts like becoming attached to like law enforcement stuff mm-hmm. she's into little toy cop cars and badges and that becomes like just a thing playing. for her yeah. And then eventually, you know, the twelve-year-old in class. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a cop. My, my, you know, grandfather, grandfather was a yeah, cop, right, right. and I know it's in my history. Like, is that something? Because I know I, I'm dealing with this now too. I have I have a ten-month-old son. It's awesome. And for the first time, I'm thinking about like, oh, what the fuck's he gonna do? He's gonna yeah. do something. He's gonna be this. He's gonna, gonna, gonna play be drums, shaped. Obviously, gonna, Duh. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. he's gonna have long hair and play drums. Um, and like <laughs> and podcasts. And you know, <laughs> yeah. at first, like when you think about these things theoretically, I think it's really easy to be like, whatever they want to do. Of course, as long as they're feeling good about it and they approach it in a certain way and it makes them happy, whatever they want to do. But then I start to think about these things in practicality. Like, if he really wanted to do this, wow, that's a tougher one than if he chose this. Yeah. And have you considered that at all with like N- your daughter? No, I hadn't thought about it. And and I feel like um, when you get there, you get there. Mm. But I, I but I do feel like I am not going to. Um, no, it was like a, that was great for those of you at home. There was like the top of your cold Kevin and I bottle. are discussing this, and Jonah is literally like juggling. <laughs> Whenever people start talking cat. about kids, I'm like, anyway, yeah, exactly. play with my coffee Moving cup. on, you should see when I send a picture of my kid to Jonah. He's just like, oh yeah, fuck you. We have this person on Thursday. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, I am hyper mindful of that, by the way, not to, I'll come back not to get lost in a cul-de-sac, but I feel like I am so aware of not being like the guy that only talks about his kids now to his friends. You're, by the way, yeah. you're, you're, I mean, like, we're not like, I don't talk to you all the time, but you definitely don't have that kind of, I don't associate that with you That's at all. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, you know, I feel like I would, I want to talk, I am going to try and to various degrees of success because that's what all of us are going to do all the time with this shit. I'm going to try to talk to her as honestly as possible about all of that. I don't know if I'm going to like get into like systemic oppression with her when she's seven. Sure. Because she's not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I'm going to try to like, there are, you know, even the most, unless you're an anarchist, even the most like... Um, pointed leftist social critic acknowledges that there is a utility to a well-employed police force of some kind in sure. a culture. 
it's just when it's a paramilitary unit that is informed by uh, racist structures and then at times employed to uphold those racist structures, that isn't really the optimal way to uh, exercise that force, in my opinion. Sure. But do you need cops for things in society? I would argue you do. And so I would, I would uh, you know, it's above my pay grade to kind of redraw the whole map and figure out exactly how, but I, I do think there is a place for it. And I'm not an anarchist, so I've read Days of War, Nights of Love, and I do think there's some good shit in there, but I'm not, I, I don't subscribe wholly. And and I think that's what I would talk to my kid about is just, there are good and bad everything. Sure. And there are good and bad people wearing that uniform. Or good and bad is a weird word, but kids understand that language. There are people that will help or hurt. Yeah, I mean, I guess all you can really do is simply put in a level of empathy to their well-being and I guess they'll decide to do whatever they decide to do and hopefully just bring that empathetic, thoughtful side to it. And right? you're going to fuck that up sometimes oh, and sure. they're going to fuck up yeah. and it's just the, the law of humanity and that's probably the hardest thing is just letting go of not wanting to be perfect about it and then not expecting them to be right. perfect because... Nobody gonna, ever is. They're going to hit the same the same bumps that we did. Or new ones. Yeah. New ones. No. <clears throat> yeah, I know. No, I know. no new ones. I, yeah, I don't want to go to uncharted territory. I'm already worried. I, I'm a nose picker. And he can already see me doing it. <laughs> he can already see it. And, and I'm, you know, I'm old enough now where I've become confident in my nose picking. If yeah, either like, of you were offended by it or had a problem, that's on you. Fuck you, don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I do. I'm growing. I'm. I've never I, noticed that about you. I'm not, you haven't like, done it in the yeah. two I'm hours I've been with you today. Old, I didn't get this old to just like care about I'm what you guys think nose. about my nose picking. But if he sees me doing it all the time and he goes to school doing it, he doesn't have that wherewithal yet to be like, "Yeah, hey, fuck you. I pick my nose." Yeah. He's going to be the weird kid. Okay, all his friends are going to be staring at their phones or I'm going to be right. looking at each other. That's right. Or picking their phones with their nose yeah. or, or oh, yeah. nose the, with their the phone. The booger app. Yeah, the booger app exactly. All right. Yes, high energy Jonah. <laughs> Woo! Uh, How's that stunt? Uh, here, here's the you? thing. Good. Talking about how the police had me, it reminded me. This my kids just started public school, so they're they're in the system, and not like a month into it, like their school is on Twitter. Like a Twitter alert came up about how in my neighborhood there was some guy trying to lure kids like into a car, in which a of course like outfit. sent like all the parents myself into a tizzy. I'm like you know signing the girls up for Krav Maga and arming them, but. As we were leaving the playground, there was a police officer. And I was like, all right, girls, let's go meet the, the neighborhood cop. And rightly so, sadly, my girls were like, uh, I don't know if I want to go meet the police. <laughs> and I was like, it's fine. And we walk up and it turned out to be a policewoman. And within like two seconds, the girls went from uh-oh to awesome. <laughs> And ran up and I talked to her for a second. She's like, we hope it's a misunderstanding. We interviewed families. Just keep your kids vigilant. All this stuff you need to know anyway. And then before we left, she let my girls grab the walkie-talkie and shout into the loudspeaker. <laughs> what did they shout? Uh, I think they did what most kids do with when confronted with something loud. They went, uh, hi. Uh. <laughs> which was kind of cool. So now they you know, had a good, a good police meeting experience, which I was pleased about. Mm. Shout out to Steven's kids for also leaving me a very nice birthday voicemail. 
Oh yeah, man, you got the killer song. They did that, yeah. <laughs> Shout they, out. They, yeah. They, they they learn they learn one of the Disney non happy birthday happy birthday songs. <laughs> Pretty good one. Wow, you didn't play it for me. I'll play it for you after this. All right, good. <laughs> it's I don't have a licensing to play it over here. Uh, okay, if you like this podcast, buy and Ke- I do, and Brad does, buy Kevin's record instigator. After you do that, donate to us. Goingofftrack.com. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. Tweet at us. What else, Steven? Oh, uh, oh, 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 come to our live podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, How do we forget this every time? November 15th, Brooklyn Bazaar. Tickets on sale now at Word Bookstore. Going Off Track Live with Laura Jane Grace and Dan Ozzie, release of her book, Tranny. The book is great. Tickets are available now. Dan posted yesterday. Tickets are selling very fast. So you should buy a ticket soon or it'll be sold out. Um, yeah, so come to that. That's another way to support us. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be playing as yes. well as talking. Yes. Like playing people. Yeah. The record you, is great. <laughs> yeah, you should go to that. that I'm not, we don't need to sell you on that. But yeah, and um, I'm glad we mentioned that at the very end <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> and not at the beginning. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next week.